welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, this happens just about every series that we do. We start out and we think, how in the world are we going to talk that many weeks about this topic or this passage or whatever we're looking at? And then we get to the end and there's so much left that I have to cram it all in. And so that's what's going to happen today. I am going to force feed you as much as I can on unity, all right? We're going to cover as many scriptures as we can. We're going to get eventually to Ephesians chapter 4 because that's just been rolling around in my spirit. But before we get there, I'm going to give you a recap. And then we're going to dig into some scriptures that I just haven't talked about yet that have a principle of unity. And then we'll get to Ephesians chapter 4. But uh, to get you caught up to speed, in this series, our theme verse has been Psalm 133, verse 1, where the psalmist says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And he, and he goes on to say that it's like oil, it's like uh, fresh dew. He gives two examples, and we talked about those in week one, and I won't go into it, but it's just this this feeling of blessing. When there's unity, it's basically saying God is there. When there's unity, God is there and it's good. It's better than you thought and it's refreshing. We saw in John 17 that Jesus predicted church growth. We talked about this. He said, I'm praying for these that are here and those that are far off. He knew that the church would grow and be on all the different continents with different people coming together. And he said, Father, I'm praying that they'll be one like you and I are one. And he was saying the unity that we have, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the unity that we have, I want them to have. I want them to be in perfect unity. And if they can be in unity, the world will know that this is legitimate because we're gonna bring all these people together in unity. We talked about the Apostle Paul talking to the two ladies at Philippi. And uh, because I couldn't pronounce their names, I looked up their meanings and the meanings of their names were success and lucky, so that's what we called them. And uh, those two ladies, the Apostle Paul was saying, stop your fighting. Stop your fighting. The church at Philippi will be uh, just unable to move forward. You'll have no advancement. You'll have no outreach. You'll have no power if you don't stop your fighting. And he told the whole church, help these two ladies to not fight. We've got to protect the unity. So we looked at that. Last week, Pastor Darren also talked about protecting the unity. He talked about uh, being in agreement and not agreeing with everything, 100%. But important things, we're in agreement and we unify behind those things and we walk together. He talked about the importance of body language, even expressing our unity. And um, I thank the Lord that he didn't go into detail about the double date that we went on once with these ladies that we didn't marry. And I thank God that he protected our unity. I mean, when I travel, I get a little nervous, just a little bit, because Darren and I go way back. But thank the Lord he protected the unity. All right. 
So now today we're going to look more at the unity and protecting this unity and uh, the things we can do that Ephesians talks about, but also dig into these familiar scriptures. Now, some of you, you won't know these scriptures. You won't even know the principles that I'm talking about, but some of you might know these. Some of you might have prayed these things or quoted these things and not known where they were or what context they were in. So I'm just going to address them because in this series, um, when I was putting it together, Deuteronomy 32 verse 30 was one that I thought of with unity right away. It says this, how could one man chase a thousand or two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? This is where we get that statement where people say, hey, one can put a thousand to flight but two could put 10,000 to flight. And we're kind of saying, hey, if we agree, if you and I agree, we can put 10,000 to flight. Like we can put our enemies to flight with the power of agreement and the power of unity. Well, I want to let you know when, when this scripture was written, God was actually telling his people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, he's saying, if you disobey me, if you disobey me, I'm going to have people come against you. And one person will put a thousand of you to flight. And because I'm with them, when they grab a second person, two people will put 10,000 of you to flight. So he's actually warning them, saying, follow me. If you follow me, blessings and good. If you don't follow me, I'm going to chastise you. And one person will put a thousand to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight. Okay, so when we're using that, we're actually quoting something that was actually a warning against the children of Israel. Okay, but you weren't totally out of context with false doctrine. How many feel better, all right? The Jewish people realized this. They said, wait a minute. If we're disobedient and God will let one put 1,000 to flight because he's helping, and he'll let two put 10,000 to flight because he's helping, if we're obedient, it must be the same thing. God would, would have to be giving us more strength in our unity, in our obedience, than he would in our disobedience. So if we're obeying God, one should be able to put 1,000 to flight, two should be able to put 10,000 to flight. And so they adopted this in their culture. So you, you get the logic there. They're saying, man, if we're bad, he does this. But if we're good, we serve a God that's so much better that when we're good, he must do at least the same thing for us. And that's where they'd adopt things. Maybe you know the story of King Saul and King David, if you aren't familiar. Saul was the older king. David was the up-and-coming king. And the people sang a song. They said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And it was a, it was a statement that they brought into their culture because they realized, like, one can do this, two can do this. And when God's fighting with a unified group, man, we can do so much more than we ever thought if God is with us. So that's where it comes from. And you're not really wrong if you're believing in the power of unity, but you've got to understand the context of where that verse comes from. Now, another one, Ecclesiastes 4. A lot of people have this read at their wedding. Maybe you had it read at your wedding. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. No hidden meaning here, but it talks about the power of unity. The power of when you're not alone, but you have someone else with you. And Ecclesiastes 4 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and no one is there to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. 
So the writer, uh, writer of Ecclesiastes is saying when you're by yourself, you only have so much strength. But when you have somebody else that's with you, that's unified with you, man, now you're really strong. And if you have a third person that's in the mix with you, man, you are super strong. And he gives these benefits that unity does. And I don't have time to go into it. It could be a, a whole nother sermon. But he's basically saying when you're in unity, when you have other people with you, you have support. And when you're down, somebody can lift you up. And how many know that on a team... And in a group or a company or team, somebody's usually down and somebody's up and we need each other. We need each other. I'm so glad that I didn't start this church by myself because there were days that I was so depressed. I'd walk around and I'd go, we're doomed. We're doomed. And then I'd have someone on staff go, no, we're not. And I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. Because we're better together. When someone's there helping us, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, man, somebody can help you up. The, the writer says that they give warmth. And, and if you can think of it in these ways, how many know in Minnesota, if you're out in the cold, hypothermia is a real thing. You can get hypothermia. So think of it in that way. And if you have hypothermia, they say that someone needs to lay down next to you and transfer body heat. Your whole survival depends on the fact that they will give you their body heat. They have enough and they can give it to you and bring you back so you're not going to die. And I'm telling you, when you're struggling, you need to have someone there unified with you and there's a power in having someone else there to give you their warmth and they can give you their strength. And it says that in times of adversity, they can defend you. And when you're being attacked, how many know it's good to have people standing with you? When they're saying, I've got your back, I've got your back, I am standing with you. So the writer of Ecclesiastes is again showing us the power of more than one when people come together. Now Amos chapter 3, 3, here's another one. Again, maybe you don't know it, but some of you do. It says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And so some people have used this and, and rightfully so the principle to say, if we're going to get anything done and we're going to walk in the same direction, we've got to be in agreement. If we're not in agreement, you're going to want to go that way, I'm going to want to go that way, and we're not going to get anything done. Because Amos 3.3 says, if we're going to get anything done, if we're going to walk in the same direction, we've got to be unified. Now, again, you've got to understand this. Amos was really bringing an indictment against the Jewish people for disobedience. And he was really using this as an object lesson, if you will, to say, hey, you're not walking in step with the things of God. You're not in agreement. You're going that way, and he's going that. You're not in agreement. You know, two people have to agree on the right way, and when they do, they can get to the right spot, but you're not doing it, okay? So he was rebuking them, but the principle is still the same. The principle is still the same. If we're going to get to the desired goal, we have to be friends. We have to work out our differences, we have to agree that we're going to the same spot. And if we're going to the same spot, we can get there because we've worked it out. And when we've come together in unity, we can get to the goal. So communication majors um, will spend one day doing antisocial behavior as part of their education. And they'll actually test this out. And they'll walk up to total strangers and start walking with them. And then mirroring their steps. And all of a sudden, the person's like, like, it kind of freaks them out. Like, who are you? And then you just start walking the same speed, same step, and communication. They don't say anything. And then they get closer and closer. And as they're getting closer to the stranger, the stranger's like, we have not agreed to walk together. And they keep moving further and further away from the person. Works every time. Don't try it. Okay, but, okay. So, but what they do, and, and they realize, we have not agreed to walk together, and I don't know who you are, and, and I haven't agreed to walk together, and we're not going the same place, and they'll speed up, they'll slow down, they'll take a quick turn because they want to get away from the person. 
because they haven't agreed on where they're going. And so this principle is saying, agree and you can walk the same steps. You'll get there. And it's a powerful principle of agreement. Now, if I could say this on that principle, take time to get to know the people at our church. Take time to get to know the people at our church. Because when you know them, how many know we can walk in agreement? We can get excited about the things we're doing. We can get excited about where our life groups are going. We can get excited about kingdom builders. We can get excited about our campuses because we're walking with them. We know them. We've agreed. Like, we're on mission together. Let's go do this together. And it's, it's a strength that happens when we agree on what we're doing and we all walk towards the same goal. It's a great principle from Amos. All right, another one here. Matthew 18. No hidden meaning here. It's really straightforward. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And he's saying, if you'll get together, if you'll get together and agree, if you'll get together and and join up with each other, there's something that's going to happen. And if you bring your prayer to God together, you have more power than you have by yourself. And the word that is right here that is used for agree is the word symphonize. We get our word symphony. It's symphonize. It's saying that wherever two or three people are tuning up together and playing together their prayer request, it has more power behind it. And it's basically saying, when you bring your prayer request to God by yourself, it's like, okay? But he's saying, when you get two or three together, it's like, dun, 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 you know, and heaven's like, all right, we've got some symphony going on. We got prayer going on. We got some people in agreement. Let's go. There's some power behind that prayer. Now, I'm telling you, you need a symphony in your prayer. You need it. If any, two or three will agree. And that's what we're doing. We're saying, let's agree. Let's symphonize here. Let's get together. Our prayer teams, you know what they are? They are instruments waiting to join your symphony. At the end of service, they are like, come on, come on up here. Let's go. Let's do this. Matter of fact, you could bring your friends with you. You're like, I need prayer. I need agreement. I need some people that will be in agreement with me. We are going to symphonize right now and storm heaven, and we're not going to have one violin. We're going to have a symphony going on. We're going to have some electric guitars, too. All right, so, you know, it's like, we're going to get there, all right? Okay, but that's what's going on. And and, and just want to let you know, in our church, you, we agree with prayer, and sometimes we do it out loud, okay? You know, you may hear someone praying, and they're like, Lord, we just pray for this. And you may hear someone by you in their seat, and, you know, they're standing there, and, and they may say, yes, Lord, that's right, amen, that's good. They're just symphonizing. And I encourage you to symphonize verbally, indoor voice. You know, don't be like, yes, Lord, okay? You know, indoor voice. But yes, Lord, yes, we agree with that. We, we taught our kids that. We taught our kids, when we're praying, symphonize, agree with the prayer, get engaged with the prayer, be part of that. And uh, it was a funny thing, we were at Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, we're praying for the meal, and, and most of my wife's family are Lutheran, and they all love Jesus, but they're more conservative than us, okay? So more conservative, love Jesus, love Jesus, Lutheran. And uh, we're doing the Thanksgiving prayer, and we've taught our kids to symphonize. And um, so my father-in-law is like, okay, Lord, thank you, we are so blessed. And Connor's like, yes, we are, Lord. He's like, okay, and Lord, we thank you for all of our blessings. Yes, we do, Lord. Okay, and he's kind of loud enough that they could hear, but not obnoxious, but they could hear. And, and we get done with the prayer, and I open up my eyes, our, all of our relatives are like this. <laughs> and my father-in-law says, well, we know who's not Lutheran. <laughs> you know, so, 
They're like, all right, yeah. We're just symphonizing. That's all we're doing. Again, they're saved, a little more conservative. That's all. All right? But we are a symphony, and I encourage you to verbally symphonize with the prayer. If any two or three agree, we're going to storm heaven, and we are going to bring a symphony before the Lord because there's power. There's power when we symphonize our prayers. This is very similar to Luke chapter 5. I don't have time to read it. It's a great story. You can turn in your Bibles there later. It's the story of the lame man, the lame man that needs to get to Jesus. And his friends basically symphonize. They say, let's carry his mat. And I'm doing the math that if he's laying on a mat, it's probably four people, one on each corner. And they're working together and they are bringing him to Jesus. They're holding onto that mat, bringing their friend to Jesus. And they were in unity and they get there and the crowd's so big that they can't get to Jesus. So they're thinking, we've got to get him to Jesus. I know a plan. Let's go up on the roof, break a hole in the roof and drop him down on Jesus. Now, if they were real people like my friends, it probably went something like this. What? We're going to break a hole in the roof? We need to do it. Our friend needs a miracle. We can't break a hole in the roof. Yes, we can. If we do that, he's going to get mad. We're going to do it. Well, if we do it, I'm going to throw you under the bus if he's mad. How many know, right? And then, no, we are united. United, we stand, divided, we fall. We are all in this together. All right, we're all in this together. And how many know in their unity, they go and break a hole through the ceiling? Drop their friend through the roof. And all of a sudden, Jesus, this is what it says. The Bible says, seeing their faith, not his faith, seeing their faith, the power of their unity, that those, those people would break through the ceiling and drop them down on Jesus. Jesus is like, your sins are forgiven, you're healed, and, and you're whole. Now, let me tell you this. Some of you need a miracle, and the reason your miracle is being held off is you don't have enough friends around you breaking a hole through the ceiling. Your miracle might be held off because you're not in a life group with people that are right there storming heaven and bringing part of your symphony, and your miracle is that close. You just need a little more power. You need a little more in the base section. You need a little more coming through, and God's going to bring your miracle. I don't know why people have prayer requests and they don't tell us. Man, when I have a prayer need, I tell everybody. It's probably a little obnoxious even. I'm like, you know, I need prayer for this. We, gotta, we, gotta get, we need a breakthrough. And they're like, okay. You know, I, and they're thinking maybe that doesn't reach the threshold, but I believe in the power of prayer and I want people on my team. I want you breaking a, a, a hole through the ceiling. I want you uh, to symphonize with me. And I know some people... You know, I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you at church. Like, well, I had surgery. You know, they removed this. I'm like, did you ask for prayer? Well, I didn't want to be a bother. That's what we're here for. <laughs> we are here to symphonize with you and to break a hole through your ceiling. So, so ask people to join in. Maybe your miracle will break through the moment you get people in your symphony. Man, don't miss that. There's power. Okay, now we're at Ephesians 4. We finally got there. Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul says this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort. Now this thing has been rolling in me for four weeks, more than that, just ever since I started thinking about this series. Because when we think about unity, we think of all the things we shouldn't do. And we've covered those in this series. You know, don't gossip, don't backbite, don't talk bad about leaders, don't have bad body language, don't, you know, disagree even if you don't agree with everything. You know, we, we talked about don't, 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 and that's good, that's all part of it. But I got to thinking, there has to be a positive thing. There has to be a positive thing. I don't think the Apostle Paul would be like, make every effort, and it's all things you shouldn't do. It's like there's got to be things you should do to protect the unity. So as I'm reading Ephesians, all of a sudden I realize this, like 
The Apostle Paul's writing this, and I think everything from Ephesians 4, 3 is written with unity in mind. So read your Bible and read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 with the thought of unity in mind and look at the things he tells you to do. These are the things that protect the unity because here's what was happening. The Apostle Paul was trying to bring all these people together that were from different cultures that didn't know who Jesus was, that all give their life to Jesus, and they don't realize that they're now brothers and sisters in Christ. They have come from a very competitive culture. In the Greco-Roman culture where this was being lived out, these people were competitive, and they were only friends really with their family. And they're like, I won't compete with my family, but I compete with everybody else. And a parent's worst nightmare was sibling rivalry, that his family would fight together. He's like, no, 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 we, we've got to stay together. Matter of fact, the Jewish people had a saying that basically when it doesn't matter how famous your kid is, if you don't have unity in your family, it's worthless. Saying if you're the prince of the kingdom, it doesn't matter if they won't come, come home for holidays and celebrate with the rest of us. And so it was so important for unity. And so the apostle Paul's like, these people are your brothers and sisters. Do you get that? These are your brothers and sisters. That means no more sibling rivalry. No more fighting. Get along. And so he says, make every effort, every effort to make sure that you're protecting the unity. And so here's a couple things. I'll just point out a few things, and you can read it. Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6. He's saying, we're going to speak truthfully to one another. We're going to get rid of lies. That's the bad thing. We're going to speak the truth to each other. We're going to do this in love. We are going to speak the truth to one another. And you know what that's going to do? When we are known for our words, speaking the truth to one another and being honest and people of integrity, that's going to protect the unity. How many know that when somebody tells you a lie and all of a sudden, whoa, 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 all of a sudden, there's no unity there. And he's saying, we're going to speak the truth and that's going to protect the unity. He says another thing in Ephesians 4, he talks about, we're going to get our anger under control. We're going to get our anger under control of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be angry and not sin. We're going to have this under control because an angry outburst is going to destroy the unity. So that's a positive thing. If you have an anger issue, you're going to start working on that, and we're going to get along. He says, we're going to learn to share. We're going to take care of the people in need, and together we're going to bless people, and it's going to bring unity. Now, I know this is our church, but this is something that we do. When we do kingdom builders and we all give, when everybody does something, we have unity when we do that. When we do that, whenever you say, well, I'm only, I don't have a lot. I'm only giving this much. It doesn't matter. At the end, we don't put names up there. We say, we gave this. We, and everybody that gave, they're just like, oh, there's a good feeling. It's like, we're part of this. We did that. We were part of this. Did you get that? And all of a sudden, Paul's saying, when, when you share with those in need, and when we do those things for the people in Cuba and India and Estonia and A21 and Tanzania, and we go around the world doing these things, and we build buildings and expand our campuses, when we do this, even expanding our campuses is good because we're doing it for people that aren't yet here. We're, we're helping people that don't know Jesus to find Jesus. Do you get this? It unifies us. It's an incredible thing. He says, if you're going to protect unity, you're going to have to be kind and compassionate. Compassionate. Kind and compassionate. And he says, if you do these things, it's going to protect unity. 
He says, we're gonna prefer others. We're gonna give ourselves away and, 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 and prefer others. That's gonna promote unity. What does that mean? He's saying when you get an opportunity to push someone forward and let them have the credit, do it. Don't worry about you getting the credit. You push other people forward. Don't worry about you getting the limelight. You push them forward, push them forward. And how many know that eventually they turn around and they go, come on with us. Come on. And then somebody's pushing you forward. He's saying, push them forward. Let other people get the credit. Don't worry about it. And if you will push people forward, that's going to protect the unity. You're going to let them have the, the bigger bite. You're going to let them have that. You're going to say, go, 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 go. I'm going to protect the unity. Another thing he says, we're going we're gonna to be full of thanksgiving. We're going to be full of thanksgiving. You know what I love? I, I love this. I would say this for us today. We're going to celebrate the wins. We're going to celebrate the good that God's doing. Last week when we showed that video, and we showed about Eric at our Edina area campus uh, giving his life to Jesus and his brother and what God's doing in them and, and just the change that's going on. You know what happened? Huge unity. Huge unity. All of our campuses were like, we are one church, multiple locations. Some of you were like, I've never even been there, but I helped give to that and I helped start it. That is so good. It just unifies every one of us. It's an incredible thing that happens. When you celebrate the wins, it promotes unity. Other things here. I don't have time to go into all, but there's so much there. Read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 with that in mind. He says, if you're filled with the Spirit, now think about this in, in terms of unity. He's saying be filled with the Spirit. That promotes unity. Then he says psalms, hymns, and spiritual. Sing the songs together. It promotes unity. Let me hit both of those things real quick. We have a Holy Spirit retreat that we do here at church. Not just because we're a Spirit-filled church, but it promotes the unity. When people go to that and they learn about that and they are uh, just exposed to what the Holy Spirit can do in and through you and flowing in the gifts, all of a sudden it, it promotes unity. So as we're doing the Holy Spirit retreat, we're promoting unity in our church. We're, we're actually doing what the apostle says to promote that unity. When he says we're singing together, we're promoting unity. Now, let me just say this. If you are coming late to church and you're not singing with us, you are breaking the unity. You just think you're late, you're more than late, you're breaking the unity. Because here's what's happening when we start to sing together. Dr. Carolyn, Carolyn Leaf, she's an expert on the thought and the mind and the renovation of the mind and godly principles for your thinking and your thought life. She said this, studies have shown that when we come into the auditorium and we start singing and the music starts to play, our hearts are beating at different beats. And all of a sudden when the music starts going and we start singing, pretty soon, our hearts start beating the same. Do you realize that? Everyone in the room, your heart. Now, for some of you, that means your pacemaker's working, you know? <laughs> and for other of you, you're just getting warmed up. You know, you're like, this is nothing. But everyone starts beating. And you may say, well, it's too loud. I don't know the songs. It doesn't matter. Your heart starts beating. And here's what's happening. The whole church is like this. Our hearts are like this. And I'm getting ready to preach to a bunch of people that are like, da-dum, da-dum. And then here you come in. And you're breaking the unity. Okay? Get here on time. Get here early and promote the unity and be singing. That's what's happening when we're singing. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. And he had no idea that our hearts were starting to sync up. We submit to each other. That promotes unity. We remember that our struggles are not against each other. He's saying, hey, remember... Your struggles are against principalities and evil institutions. It's not against each other. And can I say this? Two, two groups are not our enemies. 
People that are far away from Jesus are not our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are just lost children of God that don't know they're lost yet, and we've got to find them. And we cannot like the institutions they're part of, but we love them, okay? They're not our enemy. And then the second thing is, there are people in other churches, and let me be very clear, they are not our enemy. We love every church that preaches the name of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul is saying, remember, it's not against each other, it's not against flesh and blood and people that drive you crazy, it's against evil principalities and powers and institutions that are out there, and let's love everybody. And so one of the things we can do to protect the unity for the whole body of Christ, not just our church, is always speak good of churches. Always. Matter of fact, when, when people meet me in the lobby and they're checking out our church, sometimes they'll say this, like, hi, Pastor Rob, we're great to see you, good to be at your church. We're from such and such church. And almost every time, immediately out of my mouth, I say, that's a great church. And then I try to think of something that that church does great. That's a great church. And, and if I could think of anything positive, I say it about that church. And that usually stops them because they're about to say, we're leaving there. I mean, it's just they don't know what to say sometimes, you know. But I want them to know we love every church. They're not our competition. We love the body of Christ, and we speak well about that. And let it be said about people from River Valley that we speak good of every church. We're going to protect the unity. So Paul's like, remember who your enemy is. And last thing, I don't have time to go into all these things. But he talks about us protecting the unity by praying for one another. Remember, read Ephesians in light of protecting the unity and something happens when you pray for one another. When we start to participate in the prayer, we bond with the people we're praying for. We bond. All of a sudden, people that are strangers or way far away from us or leaders we don't understand or people in our life group we don't understand, when we pray for them, we start bonding with them. And there's something spiritual that happens when we pray for one another. And I want to encourage you to pray for people today and to pray for people this week for all the people in our church. And I want you to do this right now. Here and at all of our campuses, I want you to look around you right now in front of you, to the side of you, behind you. You may not know their name, but grab a description about them so you can talk to God in just a minute and say, God, the guy next to me in the red shirt that I don't know his name, I pray for him. Just look around you. Because after service, you can get to know their name, all right? But here's the deal. When you pray for them, we're promoting the unity of this church. And, and it's interesting, um, again, the Jewish people had a saying, let a man unite himself with the community in his prayers. You unite yourself with everyone else here when we pray together. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying, let's do this. Let's unite together and pray for one another. So I'm going to give just a second for us to pray silently under our breath for the people to our left, to our right, in front of us, behind us. Maybe you know their name, you can pray for them by name. Maybe you know their need, you can lift up their need. Maybe you know nothing about them other than the description of what they're wearing. Pray and say, God, whatever they're believing for, I symphonize with them right now. I symphonize with them right now. Whatever they're praying for, I join with them and pray for them. So let's do that. Let's have a moment of silence and pray under your breath for those people around you.
Lord, may a spirit of unity fill our church always. We will sing together. We will worship together. We will give together. We will pray for one another. We will forgive one another. We will do the things that promote unity, Lord. We take a moment to pray for the people in front of us, behind us, our left, our right. We lift up whatever their need is. We may not know their name now. We'll know it in a few minutes. But by the descriptions of what we brought to you, Lord, we sympathize with their prayer. We sympathize with their need. There may be some here, Lord, that have never had anyone ever agree with them in prayer. We agree with them in prayer in Jesus' name that whatever they came here looking for, hoping for, they would get a hold of in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the unity that we have. We thank you for the unity of what we have in our other campuses. And right now, we, we take a moment, all of us, to pray for a different campus. Right now, whatever campus you're at, just pray for a different one. We have Apple Valley, Edina area, Savage, Faribault, Minatrista, Valencia, Spain, Swaziland. Just, just pick one. Lord, we pray for those campuses. We're one church, multiple location. We symphonize from different continents and lift up prayers to you. Protect the unity of our church, of your church. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. And help us to show the world what unity looks like and that your message is true. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.